to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and today we continue our conversation with Greg Poirier, the CEO and founder of Cloud Kettle. In today's episode, we'll talk about what Cloud Kettle has to offer and how you can start looking at sales and marketing differently. Greg also takes us through his process of finding enterprise-ready clients. So let's dive right in. I, I mean, quite, I mean, you, I think you, you did the nail on the head. It's like you had all these things that happened and it, quite a nice little chain of events, probably obviously a lot of work, but a lot of things that happened, you, you jumped on with companies that their, their growth is through the roof, which is pretty, I mean, Salesforce, obviously huge being, you know, buying Radiant 6 and also working with the, the, um, the, the thing in Canada with the, uh, the movie theaters. So, I mean, obviously you have the experience. And so at this point you're looking at this saying, okay, this is what I enjoy doing. I'd like to do more of this. And when I go and we, you know, companies go and get funding and then have to talk to a board and have to do this, it's stressful. Not that you couldn't handle it, but if there's another level of, of stress that, that, that goes into that. Right. And so you're like, Hey, let's jump into the consultant side of things, right? Let's go and do the things that I really enjoy doing that, that I've seen at an, ex, you know, been able to help these companies grow at extremely aggressive rates. And now you're able to do that. So tell us a little bit about like Cloud Kettle. I mean, obviously you guys are a consulting firm, but like, what is it? What, what sets you guys apart other than the fact of your glorious background? Um, what sets you guys apart? Sure. I mean, you know, we're a Salesforce partner and we're a Google partner. And I mean, there's thousands of Salesforce partners, probably. I don't know the exact number, but there's a large number. Um, and so starting the company, I knew there had to be a high level of differentiation um, because I was a marketing guy uh, and, you know, differentiation and following a niche is kind of the, the heart of good marketing. So I also knew that what I was really good at was doing, again, what became known as sales operations and marketing operations for enterprise B2B SaaS companies. So, you know, how do you build this machine so that these people can go close six-figure deals? And, um so that was really the focus of Cloud Kettle initially. And that seemed really crazy at the first, because, uh, in the beginning, because why would these high-flying Silicon Valley companies hire a guy in his basement in, you know, Eastern Canada? Uh, but, you know, as it turns out, the internet's a great leveling field. And <laughs> they did. And, you know, I, I spend, and, um, you know, once COVID's over, I'll return to that, spent a great deal of time in San Francisco and Seattle. But, um, you know, there's, there that worked. And um, honestly, you know, I, I meet with most of the CMOs and CROs that we service once a month and uh, in person. And, you know, people are like, well, how do you service them from outside San Francisco? And really, they don't want to see us more than once a month. Like, yes, we're having weekly calls with these people. But if we started showing up their office more than once a month, they'd probably start asking questions as to why. So, yeah. it, you know, the remote thing worked really well. And uh, the going very niche worked really well because there's an amazing flywheel of once you're in that ecosystem. And I was really fortunate. You know, I already knew a lot of really bad battle hardened um, marketing and salespeople from Salesforce. And they were aggressively getting recruited out to build sales and marketing machines at other kind of upstart companies. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky I was tied into that network and had a lot of great referrals. And we just kind of started building the business from there. So, you know, we stayed really niche. Um, we're very white glove. You know, if, if our clients, our clients are usually spending at least a quarter of a million dollars as a starting point with us a year. Um, and, you know, we work with them on a retainer basis and, you know, we just know that if they, if they're not big enough to be spending at that level, they're probably not a good fit for us because that's the only way we can offer that white glove service. So 
you know, they're engaged with us because a lot of the systems and processes and machinery that we're helping them build, um, that needs to be maintained. And also a lot of it takes time. Mm-hmm. And so if they can't commit to that 12 month retainer, we're probably not the right fit. There's other organizations just better suited to do that. But um, just that concept of we're going to work on really long-term uh, engagements with enterprise clients and be really focused on that white glove aspect where every client is going to have a partner who's got a decade or more experience assigned to them, who's working with them at a, you know, CMO to partner peer level. Um, that's, that's been the great differentiator and that's kind of been the clients we serviced and how we built that flywheel. Well, and it's nice. You guys, I mean, you obviously have the network with the Salesforce thing, and then it's nice to be able to tie into those. And now you know exactly who to go after, right? They're going to be this, this is going to be what it is. This is the commitment that's going to need to happen. And if you're not willing, don't have that money to commit to it, then there we go. I mean, it's, you know, and I know his, you know, like with my company in the beginning, we used to take on, oh, we'll do six months. We'll do this. And we realized kind of the same thing. It's like, you know what? It just doesn't work. It's not that I'm doing it for 12 months because I'm just looking to make more money. It's because that's what it takes to be successful. That's going to take, if you want to see some traction, that's just what it is. It's not, that's not that we're working half time, right? Or that we're not working as much. We're just looking to make more money. It's like, this is, we know what it takes to be successful. We've done that with clients. Now they'll say, hey, we want to do this for three months. And I'm like, it's just not going to happen. And it's not because I couldn't do the work for three months. It's if you have a certain expectation and you're looking for a certain result, you're just, it's just not enough time to get everything done. Yeah, that's exactly it. And when we talk to the, sophisticated, um, you know, CROs and CMOs that we end up working with, they understand that. And the ones that don't and just can't mentally buy into the retainer concept, we just know it's not going to be a good fit because they're, they're, they have an expectation of something magical being delivered that we will never deliver. So it's just better not to start down that road. Yeah. And I, and that's the thing is, and if they're kicking and screaming about costs or the, how long it is, if you sign them up and great, somebody gets the sale, they're going to be kicking and screaming all the way along that process. They have to say, listen, I get it. You know, it's like the thing with us, we do SEO and it's like, Hey, we can get you number one for certain keywords, but it's going to take one year. And it's like, mm-hmm. and you could absolutely find somebody that'll tell you they can get it there in three months, but they can't because I know what it takes and I know what it's going to be for organic growth. And I just, I'm just telling you, this is what it is. You can find somebody cheaper. You can find somebody that probably can do it on a shorter timeline in theory, but I'm just telling you, this is, it is what it is. And so you can either accept that and know it's going to take a year and this is the cost, or it doesn't make sense. You can go with somebody else and maybe they can make some traction for you and see what happens. So you, you touched on a little bit in regards to like enterprise sales. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how does an organization validate when they're ready for enterprise sales? Because I mean, obviously enterprise, enterprise sales is not, you know, that's not a thousand dollars a month, right? We're talking, you're doing, you're talking a quarter of a million dollars a year per, you know, per client that you guys bring it on. So at what point does somebody know what, what if an organization, organization knows it's ready for enterprise sales? I don't think there's a magic point in time. I mean, some organizations and cloud kettle is a good example, really intend to go enterprise initially. And there's, there's a lot of, great B2B SaaS companies out there that are doing that as well. Like they just, they know that they are focused on the enterprise. That is who they want to service. And they, they start building their product with that in mind. And if you have the luxury of doing that, then that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you have the ro- runway to do that as well, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, for a lot of organizations, what it looks like is the founding hypothesis of the company is that 
we need to start with a smaller, maybe SMB focus. And then as we're able to invest in the product and grow it to maturity, maybe we can expand into the enterprise. And a lot of clients and uh, of ours do a really great job of that. And, you know, a lot of SaaS companies, that's their, their kind of road uh, and their roadmap. And a lot of the time, it's not that they are ready to go enterprise. It's that there's a stair-step moment in their organization that forces them to go enterprise. And it's probably uncomfortable. So a lot of organizations as part of, let's say, a Series B or a Series C, they will have made a commitment that sales are going to grow by X and basket size is going to grow by X. And there is only one way that happens, yeah. and that's by going enterprise. And so there's a, um, you know, a funding hypothesis that goes into that, that they can do that. And their, their move to enterprise might not necessarily be driven by the rank and file of the organization. It's more something that's being driven by, you know, the leadership team as it should be, but often as part of some kind of fundraising effort or round being closed, or we're preparing to IPO, which is common amongst our clients, but that's, that can be the driver. Gotcha. Where it's like, hey, we just gave you $1. You got to make it into $3. And the only way to do that is not by grabbing more $1,000 clients. It's by grabbing $50,000, $100,000 clients, right? Or whatever that number is. That makes total sense. So what, what I want to talk to you to a little bit is about like sales and marketing. Obviously, you have a nice mix of sales and marketing in your background. And you've been doing it for what? Probably almost 12 years now. It's end of 12 years now. What, how do you think the, the field has changed, obviously, since you've gotten involved? I mean, when you got involved, it, there was terms and titles and stuff today that weren't around back then, right? I mean, you were doing something that now has a title. Um, and how do you think that's changed the last 12 years? Yeah, I think um, I was really, I mean, I, I've been incredibly fortunate in my career, but one of the many things that was lucky was working at that cinema chain, which is called Empire Theaters. Um, mm -hmm. They're an incredibly thin margin industry. They're like restaurants. And really a movie theater is a restaurant with a big level wall and a lot of speakers, uh, you know, contextually all the money comes out of concessions. And so there are very operations and margin focused business. Um, and they also are very focused on content because, you know, they're servicing in many ways, their customer base is actually Disney and Warner brothers and Fox. It's not actually the patrons. Um, you have to make Disney happy so that you get the movie and the movie theater across the street does not. And so, that combination of having, this is the power of content and how content makes money drilled into my head. And this is how important operations is and margins are and everything around that being drilled into my head. That really made me kind of who I am today. And it, it wasn't that anybody there magically understood where the industry was gonna go. It just happened at right place, right time, right internal pressures and culture at that organization. And, um, what that meant was as I started doing stuff there and, you know, most of our, all of our money really marketing was going to really big ads in front of movies, um, a lot of newspaper advertisements for showtimes and a lot of TV and radio. Um, you know, I was asking for a little bit of money so I could go do this thing called AdWords. And can I get a little bit of money here? Cause I, I, I think we could do some online ticketing. I think will be huge or mobile ticketing later on. Um, I thought it would be really big. And to do that, I had to justify every single penny. And I had to demonstrate a return on investment on every single cent because that's how that company ran. Yeah. And not only was that how that company ran, but I was taking money out of somebody else's pocket on the newspaper or the radio or the TV side. And I was just really fortunate, although I didn't feel that way at that point in time, that 
that's how I had to do it. And that made me really good at where the market went. And the things I was super passionate about in, hey, I think this company called Salesforce is really useful. We should use it here. And then later, like, oh, this marketing automation thing, like, this is great. We, sh we should be sending out these newsletters. And at one point, I think at Empire, we had like a million newsletter subscribers. And, oh. you know, just doing all these things that eventually the stuff I was passionate about there and very good at, which is quite rewarding, happened to be where the market went. So, you know, what happened and what's really crazy when I look back on it is all the stuff that I used to have to do by hand or hire a developer, you know, hey, we need to tie Google Analytics into this other platform and then we would hire developers to do that. Or we need to be able to make AdWords data flow into this marketing automation platform and, and how are we gonna do that with databases and Excel spreadsheets and a lot of work by hand. I'm really fortunate that the market came to me in many senses in that now those are all like just solutions you can buy. And yep. that's what's changed is that I don't have to crib that stuff by hand anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's funny. You sound like, and, and this is because we're, we're of the older generation. It's like, do you know what we had to do? We had to do this and hire these people. And now you use Zapiers. God damn it. You don't know what we went through. And it's, you know, one of those things we, but it is, it's kind of crazy. The, the, the amount, well, I guess the, the, the almost ease of use to be able to get things and, and to be able to streamline things when it comes to software and using stuff like that. It was great talking with you, Ray. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot from all the intel you've shared today. This marks the end of today's episode, but stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast. We'll release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday.